Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2054. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in beautiful St. George, Utah, with a very special guest by the name of Thomas LeClaire. Thomas, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. We're going to uh, put some stripes down, as they say. Now, before I give you a proper introduction, we talk about your business and your passion for cars and your history and all that. What's one little thing that people may not know about you, Thomas? Well, I'm, I guess a lot of people consider me kind of a private person. There's probably many things people don't know about me. Okay. But one interesting thing is in 2001, I was at the Daytona International Speedway for the big vintage race uh, that Brian Redmond puts on every year. And I remember a lot of great cars being there, such as the Sauber Mercedes-Benz GTP cars, which were so impressive. A few of the teams uh, had a barbecue one evening, and I was a mechanic uh, for some of the cars. So I'm at the barbecue, and I go through the buffet-style serving line, and I sit down, and I'm about to take my first bite of dinner, and uh, racing driver actor Paul Newman sat down next to me. Oh my so, gosh, how cool is that? Without really planning it or knowing that it was going to happen, I had dinner with Mr. Paul Newman. Wow. What if, what? <laughs> You know, isn't that cool? And what an icon that guy is, obviously Hollywood star, but more so for yeah. those of us in, in racing. I mean, he's a real serious racer. That guy had some talent at the wheel, right? Yeah, he was a well-qualified racer. All the years he put in with the teams and racing the Nissans and everything and getting up into the GTP cars. And when I saw him for the vintage race in 01, uh, he was racing one of the Nissan GTP cars. And so we had a 962 there and we had oh. some other cars there um but yeah it was uh it was definitely memorable for sure so what was he i have to ask i mean was he as as cool and nice as we all think he is or was he was very quiet um and you know at that point and I, you're I, sitting I there like what I, do i say <laughs> yeah and i don't know and i can't really recall how how old he was at that point but i do i'm pretty sure it was 2001 and to me, after seeing him, actually, I think there was a movie that he was in around that time. And I was like, man, he, you know, on screen, he really seems like he's doing well. And I kind of remember having a feeling of, yeah, he's old. Like he yeah. was, like he was, he, like he was slow and he, he, had, he really thought about what he was going to say before he said it. And he was, and, um, so I remember kind of thinking, he's not quite as young. He doesn't quite get around as good as they make it look like in Hollywood, but well, um, yeah. just an amazing guy, amazing guy. Well, he passed, I think it was 2008. So, you know, he was, but definitely he was older gentleman at that time. I think he was born in the mid twenties or something, which now you think about mid twenties. I mean, yeah. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, that's a hundred years ago now. So. Yeah. A long time ago. So, but, uh, wonderful racing career and life and just, you know, one of those guys is just cool and kind of think of him as, uh, as some of these actors that are still working and still around and, it just yeah, an icon. So what a fun, what a fun deal. Yeah, he, he he's one of the few to to bridge the gap between 
acting in motorsport. And we know other guys that have done it. I mean, there was Jason Priestley tried it, Tim Taylor tried it, but really him and him and Steve McQueen are probably the guys that really made the most of it in a, in a big way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And he was serious about his driving. Absolutely. That's fun. Very fun. Well, let me give you a proper introduction, Thomas. Thomas McClare works in the marketing department at Speed Tech Performance, where they create custom builds, suspension components, and parts for the pro touring industry. He comes from a family with a long lineage of performance racing and trackside services and started working at the young age of 14 with his father. Thomas built Mercedes-Benz Champ car engines at Ilmore Engineering, spent time vintage racing, worked in the financial area, and spent time with Bentley Motors as well. He's been around the block. Porsche Motorsports North America came calling to help them move into their Pecola facility in Los Angeles. Uh, He was called on to help with that. And then he focused on his passion for photography, marketing, content creation, events, and a whole lot more with Speed Tech performance. You'll see his photography on the cover and in featured articles of Chevy Hub magazine and high quality oversized coffee table magazines as well. Thomas, uh, we're going to take a short break and thank our sponsors. We come back, we're going to learn more about you and Speed Tech. So keep your seatbelts tight. We'll be right back. Covercraft's newest three-layer all-climate cover is especially engineered for moderate weather conditions and it's treated with an extra UV-resistant formula. It's soft, it's breathable, and it's easy to store, all while pampering your paint, providing maximum UV, rain, and dust protection. If you live where it's windy, no worries. Simply add their gust guards for windy conditions to add extra protection to keep your cover in place. Your three-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form and fit with the quality and attention to detail that's been their tradition since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft, too. Every one of my vehicles is protected with a Covercraft cover. And I have a deal for you. Use the code yeah 21 Y-E-A-H-2-1 at Covercraft.com, and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right. So get 10% off with free shipping by simply using the code yeah 21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. When it was time to renew my collector car policy, my carrier raised my rates by a lot. But why? My usage was the same, my car's value was the same, and I had never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. The only change was their rate, and they had no reason why. What's with that? I researched my options, I spoke to others, and with American Collectors Insurance is where I now have my policy. What a difference. A live person actually answers the phone. She spent time learning about me and my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my Orange Crush, and provided a reasonable quote. American Collectors Insurance now protects my special ride. I'm saving hundreds of dollars and I can sleep at night knowing my baby is properly insured. Why wait until your next premium is due? Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote. Call 866-AC1-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine. Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. So, Thomas, uh, let's go a little deeper into your past before we come forward to into what you're doing at Speed Tech right now. You've worked in a lot of different areas in motorsport, my friend. I mean, you've had a lot of fun and a lot of experience. So kind of walk us through this uh, early career of yours. 
Well, I've been really fortunate to have a lot of the experiences that I had, and it goes all the way back to being a, a young kid. And my father had a independent Porsche service center, and I loved you know being in the garage with him. And he was a graduate of the GM Technical Institute, oh, wow. and so I learned I learned a lot of the fundamentals of having respect for the car and having respect for the the parts and the product and and really doing services the correct way. And, you know, through his independent Porsche service center, we hooked up with a guy that had a lot of cars and wanted to have a lot of fun. And we were doing track days and driver's ed days and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, that gentleman went on to become Kelly Moss Racing. That was Richard Miscalic and oh, his girlfriend, good. Kathy Kellogg. Oh, goodness. Okay. And they went Serious on to become stuff. Kelly Moss Racing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I was doing trackside services when I was 14 for, you know, the principal of, of Kelly Moss Racing. Wow. And, yeah, I mean, lots of Porsche history. Went to Ohio, worked uh, for a while in Ohio. Worked for Fred Baker Porsche Audi, who was another big racer. Started taking care of a, a 962 and a GTP Lights car hmm. uh, with a friend of mine. Then I went to Ilmore in 98 and worked on the Mercedes-Benz IndyCar program. And then I went back to vintage racing, was working with another outfit in Wixon, Michigan, doing vintage cars. And that was right before um, September 11th. And then when September 11th happened, everybody phoned up and said, hey, we're not spending any more money on toys until things settle down in the economy. So I was looking for something and Volkswagen found me. It was actually it was a, a company that was taking on a contract with Volkswagen to supply will take over the management really of the technical helpline. Oh, okay. So well, they were expanding the technical helpline and I went to be you know, I was the guy on the end of the phone when a when a technician would call from the dealership to call the manufacturer and look for some guidance. I was, you know, one of the guys that answered the phone and, and helped him get through his difficult day or his challenge at the at the moment. From there, went to the financial arm for a little while and uh, worked in remarketing. I had a really good experience there and then got the role with Bentley, which was a West Coast field role. And that was the first time I moved to California. I was with Bentley for a total of about 11 years. Oh, long time. You must have liked it. Yeah, no, I really did. It was a fun brand, great products the best interiors in the industry. Oh, yeah. I mean, just and w- wonderful cars, wonderful people. So I was a, a area after sales manager with Bentley. And then there was a guy that was here on a foreign services contract that went back to England. He was here from the factory, went back to England. And then through meetings and stuff that I had to do in England, we got to talking at dinner one night. And I, I don't know exactly how it all happened, but at the end of the day, he asked me to come over and do an assignment at the factory. So so I did accept that offer and did a three-year assignment at the factory, came back, and shortly after I was back, I was promoted to customer service manager for the Americas. So I took care of all of the customer service concerns that were escalated uh, in the Americas for all the Bentley customers. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Which was a huge responsibility, and uh, but still a lot of fun, you know, great people. We had some really interesting clients. Uh, no kidding. Yeah, and then uh, Porsche Motorsport North America came knocking. They stalked me on on LinkedIn and <laughs> asked, me, asked me if I would come and uh, run the workshop there. Um, this was just before the transition from the Andile Buildings. Um, which they bought when they bought Andile and, and sort of that became Porsche Motorsport North America. And then we were getting them out of the Andile buildings and moving into the new facility in Carson, which was the first time that Porsche cars and Porsche Motorsport were sharing 
a, a building anywhere in the world. So huge responsibility to set up the shop and really make it look professional and 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 that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Um, but I had this sort of passion in the back of my mind for uh, for photography, which I started in 2008, and that passion was growing. And then the pandemic happened, and I told my wife, I'm like, you know what, I think now's the time just to leave California. You and everybody else. <laughs> yeah, right? And so literally, like, right, right when it was happening, uh, right at the beginning, at the front edge of the pandemic and things being shut down, we left California and came to southern Utah, and I wanted to work on photography, and she was actually able to keep her job in California that she had, so she still does that for the company in California. But we live here, and... Honestly, I didn't even know Speedtech was here. I was here for a little over a year, just finishing up um, my last uh, contract assignment with Volkswagen, and I was looking for something to do. And they were looking for somebody here, and we talked. And there you, you go. know, as they say, the, the the rest is history. So here I am. <laughs> well, it, it's a, you've had a very interesting career path, and you're a great example of the wide variety of prospects and things you can do in the automotive sector, uh, going all the way back to working on those engines with your dad when you were 14. Let's talk about speed tech performance because yeah. that's how we got connected. And I'd love for you to share more sure. about what is speed tech performance? What do you guys do? How are you making things fun for people in the automotive sector? We are definitely doing that. We are making things fun for people. And the way we do that is if you're a European car guy, you've probably experienced some domestic product and you probably understand that Domestic muscle cars were really good at doing a couple of things, going fast in a straight line primarily is what those cars were really designed for in the late 60s and early 70s. They were all competing with each other for limelight at the drag strip, and that's what those cars were really good at doing. But if you wanted that car to stop or go around a corner or do something in a you know, do something different than go in a straight line. The cars weren't really renowned for that. Right. And this is where speed this is where speed tech comes in. So we've done white sheet of paper, ground up designs on creating suspension that provides that sports car feel in a classic domestic muscle car. And we don't have to bulge the fenders. We don't have to do any, we don't have to change any of the styling. We can fit a 315 tire under most of the cars. And the reason I say 315 is because 315 is really where the sticky tire size, um, you go bigger than that, you're not necessarily in a um, highly competitive sticky tire for autocross or road racing. And most of the sanctioning bodies like Optima, Search for the Ultimate Streetcar, or Good Guys, um, Autocross Series, they pretty much limit the cars to 315 anyways. So everybody's kind of agreed 315 is is the maximum tire size. Now, we can fit more than a 315 under most of the cars that we make product for, still without altering the exterior styling of the car. And not it's not just about big wheels and tires, but obviously we offer that. But also all the geometry that's been designed and engineered into our product allows for you to have proper camber set up on these cars both just a, a static a camber setup, but also the camber gain as you turn in and as you start to lean on the suspension while you're driving the car at high speed. So we really can deliver sort of that modern sports car feel or if it's something bigger like a GTO and it's not you know something that you want to be sporty with, we definitely offer like that luxury sport touring feel that you get out of a modern car. And we put that to the test recently. We did an event at Las Vegas Speedway called... 
muscle cars at the strip. We did an exhibition at lunchtime where we put a stock 69 Camaro against a fifth gen Camaro that was modified with a supercharger, big brakes, coilovers, and wheels and tires. Mm-hmm. The third challenger for that was a first gen Camaro, a 67 Camaro that was equipped with the SpeedTech Extreme front subframe and the SpeedTech torque arm for the rear suspension. And it was a lot of fun. I think most people really enjoyed seeing kind of the stock 69 Camaro go around, which wasn't exactly stock. It was more of like an 80s mod. So it was kind of an 80s, an 80s pro street mild attempt, you know, big, big wide wheels high in the back, basically a stock engine, basically stock suspension. A lot of fun to watch him go around. And then it got a little bit more serious with the fifth gen. I mean, that car is set up for all the cross. That's what the owner does with it. And then we had the uh, Camaro family CFB, the black 67 uh, Camaro. And at the end of the day, we put the same driver in all three cars. We put Nick Rolampagos in all three cars. So we eliminate the driver from being a variable. And we ended up about, I think we were 1.2 seconds faster in the 67 than he could turn in the fifth gen Camaro. Wow. So we've, we've proven time and time again that our modern suspension designs for classic cars, when put to the test, we will stand up against any modern you know, any modern similar type muscle car. And depending on how you power it, it could be a hyper car. It could be a daily driver. You know, we could soften the shocks a little bit and it just like a really nice street car. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that was with our uh, torque arm, which would be, you know, still a straight axle in the rear, but we also do offer independent rear suspension, which is just like a whole nother level of comfort and performance. So you're making these old cars enjoyable is basically what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you get it. You get it. Well, yeah. it seems to be a, a trend. And I heard this over and over from friends in the automotive sector. They've always dreamed about going back to the past. You think about, you know, I grew up in the 60s, yeah. 70s. So, you, you know, you want a car from that you couldn't have when you were a kid, that poster car, whatever it might be. And then when you Finally, you get to a point where you can go buy that car and you get in and drive it. It's such a letdown <laughs> because right, yes, you were right. used and to these. Think, yeah, we're used to these modern yeah, cars yeah, that do yeah. everything so well. And I, I, I think about my garage. I have an '87 Turbo and a 2005 E46 M3. Now, in '87, that turbo was the pinnacle of supercars. Absolutely. Well, my M3, which is an old car now blows that car off the road. Right. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So it's, um, it's a different thing. So you guys are making these cars really enjoyable for people, but you can still absolutely. relive that youth, right? You can. You, 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 bring, a, you bring up a really good point. And, be, and before we move on too far, I just want you to think back to, it was probably around 98 or 99, sort of that time period. And you think about I think about, you know, leaving work one night and going past the Ford dealership and looking at, and I don't remember what they were. I probably won't get all the names right, but there was a Ford Escort and there was a Ford, maybe it was a Taurus. And then there was something, I think, bigger than that. (laughs) Yeah, yawn. (laughs) And they were, all three of them were exactly, I mean, they... They looked the same. You know, in layman's terms, they were all exactly the same car, just small, medium, and large. Right. You know, and so, so there's a... Yeah, there's a, there's a long period of time where there really wasn't much that was that interesting in the market. You yep. know, um, you had the Miata and you had the Subaru uh, Impreza, which were which were pretty cool cars, but there wasn't really much else in the in the market that was interesting. And so, yeah, we're able to take these cars 
from the late 60s and the early 70s, and actually all the way up through third-gen Camaro we're servicing now, which is up to 92. And we can make these cars really do amazing things. And when we look at a car like Kyle Phillips' uh, 1956 Chevy Bel Air that's built on our extreme chassis with an independent rear suspension, and he was turning faster times at the autocross two weeks ago than a ZL1 Camaro. <laughs> that, there's there's your proof in the pudding, as they say. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. And, it's, it's, and it's enjoyable for the fans, too, when you see these old body styles out there running around and turning really competitive times. Uh, it's an exciting place to be. I was really fortunate to, um, you know, to, to land where I landed here. You uh, you are, for sure. Speed Tech Performance. I'll put a website link there, but they're easy to find. SpeedTechPerformance.com. Check them out. Sounds like you're building fun. We're going to take a short break, thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. So keep the seatbelts on. Auto Geeks Blackfire SiO2 Spray Sealant. It's a spray-on, wipe-off sealant that's quick, safe, and easy to clean and protect your vehicles. I love using it on all my cars. Auto Geek's Blackfire SiO2 Spray Sealant is a spray-on, wipe-away sealant that uses SiO2 ingredients to provide a slick, brilliant, and long-lasting shine. Silicon dioxide is known to be one of the most effective ingredients in car care products, and Blackfire Spray Sealant takes advantage of of every stunning feature it has to offer. This sealant will protect your paint from road film, dirt, and other common contaminants while providing an impeccable, long-lasting, hydrophobic surface that forces water to sheet and bead on your paint for months. Go to autogeek.net to get yours and for the best product selections on the internet today, along with their skilled technical support. Autogeek.net is where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. Check them out today. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion, and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions. Ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration preservation, and mentorship is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM apprenticeship program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. 
For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. So, Thomas, let's talk about this. Uh, I love to ask about a big challenge, big question, maybe a big failure time in your career, your life. Uh, it's more important, though, to share the lesson learned. What did it teach you so you can move forward? So take us on a time where you kind of push things a little bit to the extreme. Well, I would say I've definitely had my ups and downs, and I've had you know good days and bad days. Speed Tech is actually presents quite a challenge for me. I'm not a marketer. Like I'm not a marketing guy. So when we talked about me coming into the business and they said, well, we'd like you to work in the marketing department and we need to help develop the marketing in, in our business. You know, I was, I was, I had some trepidation. Yeah. (laughs) And because I, you know, I really, I grew up as a mechanic. I mean, okay, today we call them technicians I grew up as a mechanic slash technician, and I worked my way into a, a corporate environment. It still had a, mostly to do with after sales, and it kind of transitioned from being a technical guy into being sort of like help manage dealers' after sales business and help make them run smooth and be profitable. And so I had some exposure to marketing through all of that. And of course, being a small team that Bentley was and being on the West Coast, I spent a week every year at Pebble Beach for Car Week, and and so I had and I had some event exposure and and being you know there was only thirty people that ran Bentley Motors in America at that time, so we wore a lot of hats there. Only only thirty? Wow! Yeah, only thirty people do all the business in in Americas for uh, for Bentley Motors. That's incredible! Um, wow. It re- it really is. It really when you when just about half of the world's production was coming to the USA. Yeah, I mean that's it's it speaks it speaks volumes about what the, a small team can really do. Well, what you guys what you guys pulled yeah. off, impressive. So, like I said, I, I wasn't I, like my background isn't in marketing, so this presents a huge challenge for me, and I, I'm not afraid to say like I'm learning every day, and I read the books, and I listen to books on tape, and I go to the experts and there's people out there that that have helped me. So I consider that this to be, you know, one of my biggest challenges and yes. well, good for you. And I'm grateful for the opportunity. Like I said, I've been really blessed to to have a lot of the experiences that I've had over my lifetime. So I, I'm I couldn't be more pleased. Well, I tell you, this is a great testament to listeners out there that it's okay to make career changes and move into an area you're uncomfortable with and learn Absolutely. New, learn new skill sets. And I would think for you, there are a lot of things that you didn't realize you were learning about marketing when you were working in some of these other positions that have Absolutely. Yeah, have translated through. Yeah, I, I, especially Bentley to me. You're dealing with a very well-heeled, high-end, demanding client base that want the best, they're paying for it and they expect to get what they paid for. They don't put up with stuff. Yeah. I grew up in the Midwest where, you know, customer service was a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and just, I guess, the way, maybe the way I was raised was, was different than what a lot of other people experience. But I think just having that, having that in the back of your mind that what's the other person experiencing? You know, what's, what's the customer experiencing? What's the client experiencing? What's the, the person that I'm interacting with experiencing right now? And is it positive? And that's sort of, uh, you know, that's sort of what keeps me going. I love it. Awesome story. Let's talk about a special vehicle in your life, a car you've had that really stands out and has a story to it, perhaps. Well, 
See, when you talk to somebody like me, there's not just one car. <laughs> well, that's what I say. It's, sometimes you got to pick maybe one for the day or something that. Yeah. You know, in the yeah. Past. Exactly. Yeah, sure. So it actually wasn't a car of mine, but it was a car that my dad and I had responsibility for, and this was before I could even drive. So. I, I don't know what year the car would have been, but there was a time back in the mid eighties when Lotus was, you know, in trouble as they often find themselves <laughs> yeah. financially. And they were taking private investments. And so one of our clients was one of the fifty private investors that was helping Lotus out in the late eighties or mid eighties. And as a result of that, he was offered one of the first 50 Lotus Esprit turbos that were going to be made. And if, if you remember, if you know these cars, you know that there was 50 special edition cars. And it said special edition number dot, 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 right on the, right on the door of the car. If I remember rightly, this was special edition number 47. And again, this was the, this was the principal that went on to become Kelly Moss. This was Richard Miscalic's car and he was one of our clients. So, I don't know. I was probably in sixth or seventh grade and we were taking care of this car. And I, and I thought I was asking for the world. I asked my dad to pick me up at school in the car one day. (laughs) And so, and like I said, I thought I was asking for something that I couldn't ask for, but he's like, yeah, sure. I can pick you up in the car. Just so we, we organized a day or whatever. And, and, it was something that happened so long ago, but I still, it's still, I still remember that. And it was a special moment for me. So that was a special car. The 911 SCRS was pretty cool. Uh, the 962 was fun. The 89 <laughs> Indy car that I restored was fun. Bobby Rahal just bought that car from the person that bought it right after I restored it. There was a 61 Maserati birdcage um, that I have a story about. And then there was the, the Chevy Intrepid GTP car, which when I did on that car, it made the most power that it had ever made. So it's hard to pick one. You There's so many play great with cars. Some cool stuff. Yeah, I really, like I said, I've, I've been really fortunate. You know, I started, I, I left Ilmore and I went to a company that specialized in, uh, really specialized in Can-Am and 5,000, uh, vintage race cars. And my first day there, I don't even think I had my toolbox there yet. They walked me around the shop and they're kind of showing me this and that, some of the project that they're working on. And we get up to this car that I had never seen before. And he, he said, uh, well, this is a 61 Maserati birdcage. Uh, we're doing a restoration on it. <laughs> we're doing a restoration on it and it's all apart and you're going to put it together. Yeah. It's like a, yeah. Tinker toy set. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all bronze man. suspension bushings. Yeah. And yeah. It, it was cool. Yeah. It was cool. Oh, those are beautiful cars. I mean, I've seen those race at Monterey and, uh, even, yep. uh, Louis Shefshek at Janow fabricating who took care of my race car when I was racing, uh, one of his clients had one. And I remember one time that thing was parked next to my Lotus Formula Junior, my Lotus 18. And it was cool. just, I, can I sit in that thing? I just got to sit in this car. It's like, <laughs> it's the coolest thing ever. I've even got a really nice uh, CMC model of a birdcage that I just sit and look at because it's just a, it's just a little, yep. wor- a little work of art. I do the same thing. Yeah, I know. I do the same thing. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a little kid. I see a race car like we had, uh, we had all the Audi race cars at, at Volkswagen Group of America one day. Um, everything from the, the sports cars, like the, you know, the Lamar car and then some of the more local, um, S6 and S4. And I'm like, I got to sit in all of them. I'm just going to sit in them. There's nobody here stopping me. So I'm yeah. going to do it. <laughs> I know. I just sit there and, and dream. So I'm going to be your yep. car psychologist today. I'm going to crawl into your head a little bit. If you were sure. reincarnated as a vehicle, manifest as a vehicle, not what you want to be, but you're, how you perceive yourself as a car, what would you be and why? Well, that's a, 
that's an excellent question. And I would come, I think I would manifest as something completely custom. Okay. And it would be a speed tech chassis. Yeah. And it would probably be something, you know, vintage styling, maybe a V10, uh, but definitely internal combustion engine, 800 to 1,000 horsepower, <laughs> eight-speed eight speed sequential uh, gearbox, modern conveniences, you know, navigation, air conditioning, comfort, but basically a, a street legal race car with some, with some comfort to it, I okay. think would be, you know, and I don't know exactly what that would be, but it would be really custom. I've always had these, had these dreams of merging different kinds of cars together or different elements, like my favorite elements of one car put with another car. So it might be the front end or the headlights off of one car and then the, the basic body of another car, but then maybe change the tail or change the door or change the interior or something something like that. So like, you know, customization um, is still happening. Modern day hot rodding is still happening. And it's really, it's, you're only limited by what you can dream or what the customer can afford. You know, this is an interesting answer, Thomas, because, and it makes sense knowing you now, most people go from the outside in, you went from the inside out. You started with all (laughs) the tech. Most people go, they pick the car, you know, the, the body, the look, the year, that kind of thing. You went the other way. Yeah. That's a very unique answer to that question. I, in fact, I don't think anybody's done it that way. So you're, you you well, stand alone there. So that's very cool. I like it. I enjoy the drive. Oh, that's well, the thing. of course. I, I enjoy yeah. the drive. And yeah. I always think about how, you know, how enjoyable is the car to drive and what, what characteristics, character features of the car do I, do I enjoy? So, yes, I think about the power. I think about the, the handling and it, it comes from my technical roots, I suppose. Yeah, no kidding. So how about a great book? Is there a book that you've enjoyed that you'd like to share? You know, if your listeners haven't read it, I highly recommend Unfair Advantage. I'm sure you know this book. It's it's about the early days of the captain, uh, Roger Penske and Mark Donahue. And they're, you know, it's sort of the, at the origins of their story. It starts with the Camaro and even predates the racing the Camaro, you know. So um, that's a good read. I like that. Almost everything else I've read probably in the last year and a half to two years is uh, to do with marketing and <laughs> social media. Is there a great marketing book that you could share? Because I, I love marketing. That's been my background. And, you know, we, we get a lot of business books quoted here. Yeah. Have you um, have you ever heard of Seth Godin? Of course. Yeah. G-O-D-I-N. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, absolutely. so I like Seth. So I've been listening to his books and watching some of his videos and stuff. So I've, I've read a couple of his more recent books and I sort of enjoy his approach to things. And he's, he's somebody that if I think about the marketing research that I've done in the last year, he's a name that sticks out to me for sure. Yeah. You know, I haven't seen much about him lately. I, I was seeing a lot of stuff about him for a long time and then uh, kind of went quiet. I don't know why. I mean, sometimes things show up on your, you know, your uh, blog or you know, I guess your website, I yeah. say, your computer is the way I'm trying to say it uh, and so forth. But uh, he's an interesting guy and he's written a lot of great books that I've enjoyed and read and been a part of. So I'll, I'll post a couple books that I've enjoyed on uh, Thomas's show notes page that you listeners, if you haven't heard of Seth Godin, you really should read some of his stuff. His books yeah, are great, fast, sure. fast reads and everything. So before I let you go, I'm going to let you go on the ultimate drive today. In fact, before I do that, here's an interesting thing. You mentioned Unfair Advantage. Yesterday's guest on Cars Yeah, if any of you listeners missed it, was with David Donahue, Mark's son, the racer who's uh, going back to race Pike's Peak again in a Brumos. Brumos bringing out their livery Porsche uh, club sport. 
he's going to be driving. So we did talk a little bit about that book that his dad wrote, Unfair Advantage. Great, great book. So I'm going to let you go on the yeah. ultimate drive today. I'm going to open my checkbook. I'm going to buy you any car. You can go anywhere and you can be with anybody, living or deceased. That opens up some interesting options. What does the ultimate drive it look does. like for a guy like you, Thomas, from the inside out? <laughs> Yeah, so it, so uh, we'll start with the car because this is probably the easier part of the question for me. We'll start with the car, um, it, it, and it'll be an existing car this time. Okay, not just a fantasy car, but so about three years ago, Speed Tech finished a car for a local client. It was a '69 Camaro, first gen Camaro, and it had a extreme front subframe with all our extreme geometry and forged aluminum spindles uh, in the front, uh, all the good stuff, and then a, a torque arm rear end. And it has navigation, it has air conditioning, it's got a great stereo, it's got race buckets, it's got T56, six-speed manual transmission, 700 horsepower before <laughs> the uh, nitrous, before the nitrous bottle comes in. So, Super fun car. This car was featured on the cover of Chevy Hub Magazine winter of 2021 with the photos that I shot here in St. George. Is that the black car? Yeah, very dark gray. Dark gray. It's, uh, it's actually, yeah. it's yeah, d dark gray with, with black accents, and it's known as Hex Camaro. It had hexagons all over it. But the car, like if you search Hex Camaro, um, like if you Google Hex Camaro, I'm sure it'll come up. It. Super cool car, real modern feel, very, very racy, um, great handling car. So the person I would like to go on the drive with, I would say Ayrton Senna. Oh my gosh. He has such a way with his English. Of course, he's Brazilian, so his Portuguese would be his native tongue. But he had such a way with his English. And when you look at some of his quotes, from back in his racing career, I think it would be fun just to sit and talk with him and 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 listen to him and and ask him some questions. And I think he'd really get a kick out of driving in a in a car that he he's never seen anything like that. You know, you know a seven seven hundred horsepower six speed you know Gen <laughs> One Camaro that drives that drives as good as any NSX that he'd ever drove. So yeah, sorry, yeah. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> you know, Ayrton Senna. My listeners know this. I one of my I'm a big fan, and one of his quotes is on my business card. Actually, yep. And that quote is, "The past is just data. I only see the future," which I think is a great tie to race, racing, sitting in a car, looking way down the road, that kind of thing. But also looking ahead, right. he was that kind of guy. But uh, that would be very interesting because you see videos of him in NSXs or race cars, Formula One cars, and the way he drove to put him in something like that would be pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting comment. Very interesting combination, Thomas. Wow. Yeah, and and the, one of the things that I think of, and I and I'm. I'm not going to get it 100% right, but he, he said, um, on any given day, any given circumstance, um, you have a limit and you, you reach for the limit and you touch this limit. And now, and I forget exactly how he ends it, but basically the, the message is now you have a new limit to shoot for, yes. right? Yeah. And I love that way of thinking that there are, there really aren't limits. You just have to, you just have to find the limit. So you, so, so bad things don't happen. You got to creep up on that limit, but you can, you can touch your limits and you can go beyond what, what you think might be possible. Absolutely. Yeah. You can always go a little bit further. So you've taken us on a wonderful drive today. Before I let you go, could you share maybe a success quote or some words of inspiration? Um, wow. You know, I think of these little statements all the time. And now you're asking me to come up with one, and I won't be able to probably. <laughs> well, you you came um, up with a great one that Ayrton Senna talks about of reaching your limit and then going. Now that's your new your new bar. Now you can go higher. Yeah, uh, yeah right. That's a nice one. Jeez, 
I'm trying to think of something inspirational, and all I can think of is when Mark Donahue said, when I have enough power, I can spin the tires in between the turns, and then I have enough. <laughs> There's another one. Yeah, that guy knew how to do that, too. Yeah. No, I think, you know, I, I think people today, it seems like, like we talked about customer service is something that seems like it's difficult to find these days. And I think for, for younger people, for younger listeners, follow your dreams. I don't recommend taking the path that I took. I didn't go to college, but I worked really hard. And at times I donated my time. And if you're really passionate about something, look, I changed. I was a mechanic. I worked in a corporate environment. Now I'm a staff photographer, videographer. So yeah, don't, don't look at the limitations. Look at what you can do. Don't be afraid to donate a little bit of time. And really, if you follow your heart, success will find you. It will. Absolutely. And Thomas is a great example of that. Listeners, I'll put a link to speedtechperformance.com on my website. If you're not familiar with them, probably are, but if you're not, go check them out. They can make your dreams come true too in a much better way and have more fun while you're at the wheel. Absolutely. Thomas, hey, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and sharing your very interesting life with us. Uh, Wow, you've had some fun. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road and what you listeners may not know, I might actually see Thomas down the road because my son-in-law is competing in St. George, Utah in the Ironman competition at the end of May. So uh, maybe while I'm there, I'll stop in and see your shop. That'll be fun. Yeah, you're welcome anytime. Anyone else that wants to stop by and have a tour and see how we put all the goodness into the old cars, you're welcome to. That sounds like fun. And a shout out to my son-in-law, Matthew, his uh, Ironman competitions. Oh my gosh, the guy's an animal. So uh, good luck. (laughs) Good luck, son. You're going to have some fun. Thomas, thanks again. This has been great. Thank you. You bet. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!